The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. Welcome to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Well, let's take a look at what we've got on our special guest and topics menu for the day. Looks like we're going to talk a little barbecue talk with Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. Give you a rundown of the 7th Annual Bakken Barbecue, June 14th in Dickinson, North Dakota. This year's Bakken Barbecue is expected to draw thousands once again as they continue to raise money for Make-A-Wish North Dakota through pulled pork, ribs, chicken. I even saw lobster there last year. The interview also talks about sponsors, cookers, live music, kitty corner, other activities involved with the Bakken Barbecue. Also, Kimberly Wirtz of Ballmore Slow talks about the farmers and how they're using water rights now to sell to oil companies. And they're doing that in lieu of crops. They get guaranteed money with the contract through the oil companies. They get a certain amount of water that they have rights to within their acreage. And rather than uh, go the path of irrigating crops and, and taking on that risk, a lot of them are saying, you know what? We don't really have very many options that we can farm, so let's go ahead and sell it to the oil and gas companies. Kimberly Wirtz, Balmore Slow, a little later in the program, and Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. All that plus much more on today's episode of the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. And let's get right into the interview with Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. Tiffany Steiner, co-founder of Bakken Barbecue. Jackie Jenkin, co-founder of Bakken Barbecue. And we are getting less than a month away from the big Bakken Barbecue, the seventh annual Bakken Barbecue Flag Day, June 14th. What time does it start? It starts at 4 p.m. on June 14th. Okay, 4 p.m., June 14th in Dickinson, North Dakota. And uh, talk to us a little bit about this. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin with us, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. Uh, let's start off with just maybe some of those details up front that people probably want to know right off the bat. Well, our event, like you said, is June 14th at the Dickinson Ice Rink parking lot. Opens to the public at 4 p.m. And the event goes to 11. We have live music brought to us by Sawdust. I remember Sawdust. They were there last year. Yeah, they didn't get to play all night because we got rained out. Well, that's the one thing. Weather does permit at times, but I remember the one year when the hurricane came and the tornado came and everybody moved inside and it was still a blast. Oh, we had so much fun because of it. So that is something to let people know. Hopefully Mother Nature doesn't ruin the event, but we will move inside. The party still will go on. We'll still do raffle music, live music. Um, So... It looks like it might rain, let's knock on wood, 
um, but the party will still go on inside. And that's the one nice thing about this event is that rain or shine, it goes on. And you know how weather is in western North Dakota, rain or shine can be in the same hour. So it kind of can pop back and forth. And and I, I anyway, we're not going to uh, d- d- divulge too much or dwell too much time on, on the past here, but... Uh, it does continue on. Sawdust is plain. And this year you guys are doing a couple things different than previous years. Talk to me a little bit about that. So our one big thing is judging this year. We kind of changed around judging. I've taken the lead on that um, along with uh, Hope, our accountant for our Bakken Barbecue. The judging is secret, so only Hope and I know who the selected judges are. Judging will be done right before the event starts and we're going to keep it a secret as to whose food they're eating and then the ju- the judges will determine at that point who's the winner and then the uh, now, excuse me the winners will be announced at nine o'clock so we're trying to keep our judging um we're trying to get more professional with our judging uh, trying to get more professional with the judging okay all right so th- <laughs> it's going to change a little bit this year is there um how about the raffles and, and the spot and the silent auctions and everything? I thought we, if my memory serves me, uh, no silent auction this year in lieu of some bigger prizes in the raffle. That's correct. Okay. Uh, this year we're going away from the silent auction and we are going toward a live auction. Uh, we're going to have about eight, 10 items and we will be doing this at eight o'clock for the public. And we have a live auctioneer there and they will be auctioning off items We've got some pretty good, great prizes lined up. It's something you just don't want to miss. Um, and something that, you know, just supports our event and also supports Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish North Dakota is the, of course, the, the, the nonprofit, the sponsor, the recipient of the goodwill from the energy event here, the Bakken Barbecue. Uh, Make-A-Wish has been, for the last, what, four, five, six years, they've been involved with this being the seventh annual uh, talk to me a little bit about Make-A-Wish because, you know, in the first few years, you know, it was kind of spread around or there were some different things tried. You know, you mentioned the silent auction just went away from that. So Make-A-Wish has, has kind of been cemented in for the last at least five years, it seems, as the um, nonprofit of choice or the benefactor of choice, to, so to speak. Yeah, we it has been. This will be the fifth year that we've chosen Make-A-Wish North Dakota. I think the biggest thing with Make-A-Wish is that we are able to help children in Southwest North Dakota. So we are truly affecting our community, the people that we see every day that, you know, our neighbors are the one down the street. Or So I think that's the greatest thing that we can do is help our own people in our towns. And also we are able to, you know, meet the children and give them their wish and everything like that. Um, so it's something exciting, and we truly love working with everyone at Make-A-Wish North Dakota. Looking at some of the prizes, some of the, I guess, things that are going to be on the raffle this year. It looks like a 2019 Razor 900, a Ranger XP 900. Uh, is this is this still the case? Because I, I think this is probably from a, about a month ago I got this advertisement here. But are you guys still looking at g- giving these things away? Yep, so our grand prize is uh, the winner gets a choice of a Razor or a Ranger 900. Okay, okay. And then um, our second prize is a gun. Uh, third prize is $1,000 cash. Fourth prize is two Viking tickets at the U.S. Stadium and $250 in ca- uh, cash. 
which will help travel or with travel expenses, a Traeger, a Yeti cooler, and a hundred dollar worship shop gift certificate, twins tickets, Deadwood Lodge getaway, Medora package, and then our tenth prize is a two hundred fifty dollar cash prize. I love the Deadwood Lodge. I used to go there uh, every year around uh, New Year's time for about four or five years. Love it. Love it there in the winter time. Yeah, and, that was a lot of fun, so we're excited to give that out. And sponsors. Let's talk about your sponsors you guys have. I imagine you're still looking for sponsors because I think you can take sponsors up till the uh, banner gets printed, and then even you'll take sponsors the day of because at that point they're donations. Yeah, and so uh, that, that is one thing, too. Like, the, the proceeds of this go right to Make-A-Wish. There's like, yeah. yeah, okay. So the cool thing is we changed up our levels this year. And we decided because we wanted to get a razor, we moved up um, our top level to 5000 So we have a lot of great companies that decided they were going to step up and be the $5,000 sponsors. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkins, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkins, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. First full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkins, co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue, happening June 14th in Dickinson, North Dakota. It's Flag Day. Mark it on your calendars. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkins. Um, our top level to 5,000. So we have a lot of great companies that decided they were going to 
step up and be the $5,000 sponsors, JRA Rentals, Wyoming Casing, Renegade Services, Lean Drilling, and ND Energy Services. So we couldn't thank them enough because without them, we can't, you know, our event is not possible. And then we also have um, a $3,500 level, and KLX Energy and Summit ESP has stepped up and done that too. So we have so many great companies that have given to us. And yeah, we always are looking for more sponsors. I know we have till the end of this month if you want to get on the back of the shirts. But if you sponsor after June, you will still be able to be on social media and all that at the event. It just would not be on the shirts. Things with printing timelines and deadlines. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how we about do everything the... possible for the sponsors if they miss that shirt deadline. Um, but we truly appreciate all the local companies and everything because we could not do this event without them. Yeah, a lot of those local companies really step up for this, you know, from from the porta potties to the, you know, I mean, I think Mavericks was ha even doing drinks there one year, you know, even that type of thing to step up and really make it a complete community event, really. I mean, I I mean, how many how many thousands of people come every year? Well, we've estimated last year over 2,000. So it's hard to estimate the kids. That's where we don't quite know because they don't pay to get in. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to get over, we're hoping to break kind of a record in every area. So far, we've broken the record in amount of companies cooking. We have 23. And last year, we only had 16. So we still have, I think, three more spots open um, if a company would like to participate. But that's really exciting possibly four spots. Um, but so far companies have been wonderful calling us, getting a spot and they're really excited as well. I know we haven't heard a single peep out of what anyone is making for their menu. Haven't heard anything yet. Okay. In the past, of course, ribs, chicken, brisket, but we've seen things like lobster. I didn't, didn't wasn't there an alligator or something, some kind of wild game one year or something like that. I'm not sure, but it does not surprise me. I know everyone goes above and beyond for cooking, and they truly enjoy it. The thing that I really enjoy about this event is, you know, you pay, you pay a cover charge to get in, which goes to Make-A-Wish, and then after that, every single booth that you go to, if you were to go to a barbecue restaurant, it would be a 10 to 15 to a $20 plate of sample food they just give you, and... So the person who likes to really stretch their buck and, and try to, you know, feel like they're getting a good deal, boy, this is right up their alley. I know. You can't go out to eat and spend 20 bucks and get all of this food. I mean, truly, I would be very impressed if you had food from every company this year. Well, not only that, but it's the side dishes, it's the desserts, it's the, it's the full menu. It's the full menu that is provided from cornbread to beans to, to coleslaws to different salads to uh, there's usually some sort of, uh, like I said, desserts from brownies to fruit cups. Cakes and I know another company does cotton candy and snow cones and someone did ice cream last year. So there really is no limit to what people come up with. They, they are great at finding unique things. And I think that's the fun part when you see the amount of work they put into their menu. It's not, you know, they're not just doing hot dogs or whatever. Um, 
Well, I remember one year, one year there was a really long line, and I can't remember the name of the company, but they they had guacamole, and boy, people were lined up for that guacamole, and they just, you know, and that has nothing to do with barbecue. Yeah, that was AH out of Kildare. They did such an amazing job last year. I mean, uh, Memo, I know Memo personally, and uh, he just went above and beyond. I think they made tacos or uh, carne asada tacos, I believe. If I recall correctly, you do. Yes, and, that's right. It was it was really kind of a, a Mexican theme to the to the uh, to the grilling process. But yeah, they were grilling up chicken and carne asada exactly, and they had just yeah. amazing guacamole. Man. Now I'm really hungry. Again. I know There's I am lunch, too. Now I'm hungry for tacos. I'm thinking so. about it. But there are three, possibly four spots if everybody wants to squeeze in, yep. or the fire code makes it okay. Whatever that fourth one might open up to be, but. Uh, so they can just contact you guys either through Facebook or LinkedIn or uh, the Bach and Barbecue social media sites to get in touch with that. And um, talk to me a little bit about uh, s- some of the things that people can expect this year. We mentioned sawdust. We mentioned a $20 uh, entry fee. We mentioned a, a, a raffle. But uh, didn't we talk about the kitty corner being expanded because you mentioned it's hard to keep track of the kids and there's just as many kids as adults there. There is. And what's really cool this year, we have renegade services that they're one of our top sponsors, but they are also making little goodie bags for every child that comes. I'm sure, you know, if they run out, they run out. Um, but they're doing a couple hundred and I think it's going to be really cool. Um, I know they were talking about doing a water gun and kind of stuff like that. So every kid that will come will also get a gift bag on top of multiple jumping castles. And we have the shooting range from mule deer and the fire department is bringing some sort of cool little water house. Um, if I understand that correctly. So I think it'll be really neat to see the couple of things that we're adding and kids getting little gifts. We want parents to be able to go, and do try all this food and feel safe with their kids in the kitty corner. Seventh annual Bach and Barbecue, June 14th, 4 p.m. to around 11 p.m. is when it's scheduled to end. It's uh, $20 for adults, 10 for children, 9 to 15. Eight and under are free. Event benefits Make-A-Wish North Dakota. Tiffany Steiner, Jackie Jenkin, co-founders on the line with us here. Uh, how, okay. You want you, sponsors? We're still looking for, always looking for sponsors. Uh, you're looking for some cookers, maybe three more. Uh, how about volunteers? Talk to me about the people that have been volunteering and the volunteers that you're looking for. I imagine you're looking for volunteers. I just assume everybody is in events like this. You know, we actually have a pretty good, uh, group that continues to volunteer each year. Um, if there are more people interested in volunteering or getting involved, they can also reach out to us on social media or through our email, uh, BBQ at hotmail.com. Uh, you know, and we can always put them to work. But um, another thing that we forgot to mention is this year's uh, and Barbecue is pretty exciting for us. It lands on June 14th, which is also Flag Day. So it's going to be a patriotic party as well as a barbecue. I'm very curious about this to see what type of uh, food and what type of decorations that people are going to come up with. I'm fairly certain there's going to be a few booths that will incorporate some kind of uh, red, white, and blue theme into their cooking. 
I'm fairly certain of that. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you'll see a lot of red, white, and blue. Um, it's always fun to see what the companies come up with for costumes and food, and they always do such a great job going along with our themes every year. So I know um, a lot of them are pretty excited for this year. Who doesn't love red, white, and blue? And that was Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkins, co-founder of the Bakken Barbecue. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, even the YouTubes. All of the social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Multimedia Cafe. And then I know just why you could not go along with me. Cause this was not your dream, but you always believed in me. Another winter day has come and gone away And neither Paris or Rome But I wanna go home Let me go home Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken I totally agree with you And the word that you brought into this is fact You tell the facts and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we talk with Kimberly Wirtz with Ball Morse Low. I think it's very easy to make those comments, but then to turn a blind eye to the, the BPs and some of the bigger ones that have really taken a big chunk of their capital and said, okay, we understand that this is an issue. They are realists to me. We are going to keep producing oil and gas, but we're also going to start dabbling in some of these other areas to better understand how they can all work together. I'm not here to say that wind and solar is bad. I'm not here to say that oil and gas is bad. I'm here to say that we are a, a human race that consumes naturally. So why not work to, all together to consume on a safer, more efficient level, but well, also it, it, be realistic that it's not going to completely happen overnight either. You know, Apache um, was down in the Delaware, and they were, you know, again, this is the Delaware Basin, it's the Chihuahuan Desert, and they are sucking up water left and right to, to drill thousands of wells. Apache took it upon themselves to fork over a very large dollar amount to replace that water in that community and to work with the community on how to put it back as one. So I think we get a we get a bad rep, reputation, I guess. People think, well, well, we're just, you know, sucking up the ground and not doing anything to help. And I don't think that's a fair statement either. I don't think that's a realistic statement either. No, and, and I think the, real, the, the reality is that if the easy answer is going to be to demonize and pick on the oil and gas industry. I don't think they have any idea what's going to happen because 
it is, first of all, it's the last industry that actually embraces the essence of capitalism. And if capitalism right. goes away, small town America goes away tomorrow. It just does. Yeah. And the oil and gas industry not only pays their fair share in taxes, they pay their fair shares of fees. They pay their fair shares in local and county sales taxes and state taxes. And then on top of all of that, being probably the most taxed industry by every state that there's an oil and gas industry in, they also have enough money left over so that the local ball team can have softball uniforms and the local church can have their bake sale. And when the school needs a new community center, generally there's a company or two to drop a million dollars to help them get their seed money. That's the type of stuff that really irritates me when it goes unreported. It, it just, it just right. like people, don't, they forget about it. And it's really sad. It's, it, is, it is truly sad because we've gotten to a point to where the media has allowed Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren to say, like I said, that is the same as dragon legislation. So the fact that they're just allowing it because it's Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is really dangerous by the media standpoint because they should be challenging them and saying, whoa, that's crazy. So are you now a fringe candidate? Because you were legitimate. So you're talking about bringing us to the walking dead days without zombies in four days, five days, because it's going to be utter chaos if we I'm not even talking about the, the stopping of the making of plastics or gasoline. I'm referring to what you talked about earlier it would just jar the economy in ways that we couldn't even fathom. I mean, it would just, boom, people, people's paychecks would stop. That's the part that I just yeah. can't, can't get over. That's the, thing I, 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 that's the part I think I think about the most is, you know, those dads and even those moms. It's very common now to have women really barreling into the oil and gas industry. And I think about them losing their jobs, and that's, that's all they've ever done their whole lives. And I don't know how we help those employees transition. What I've had a lot of fun watching over the last decade, I've been involved with the oil and gas industry now for about a decade. And it's been the rise of the empowerment of women in the industry. That's what I've actually enjoyed watching because this has been a male-dominated industry for a long time. And to see the women, I'm talking as truck drivers, I'm talking as, you know, being on the wells, but also in the executive offices too. So it's, it's, they've been really trickling in into places of position and power very, very nicely. I would say even ahead of other industries too. That's, that's what I think has been great. The way the industry's embraced the female perspective to the industry. I don't know if that even makes sense, but. No, um, it does. It does. So uh, anyway, just there's a, there's a little environment talk here and that'll lead into what you talked about at the interstate uh, oil and gas is it co- commission conference compact commission. compact commission thank you we'll get it before the night's over well you, you'll over. you'll get it i, I know. won't it's a mouthful it's interstate oil and gas compact commission so what you talked about the iogcc <laughs> and what you talked about was the groundwater concerns between uh the mixing of oil and and, and water you know that's that's age-old oil and water don't mix right so uh, g- 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 give me an overview of what you talked about at the conference and what people should know. Well, I was asked to speak um, kind of giving an overview of the different regulations that we've seen go into place and how for the, for the longest time, you know, water's been a part of the surface state and oil's been a part of the mineral state. But in today's production climate, it's 
completely apparent to everyone that you can't have really one without the other. So the mineral state needs the water, and the water kind of comes with the minerals. It's just they go hand in hand. And so when we were looking at, you know, the different regulations in place, kind of like I was speaking to you about that forest level and tree level, you know, from a forest level, we can all sit back and say, yes, Texas has these externalities that are driving water uh, management and water use, and we can say the same about tech, uh, New Mexico and Oklahoma. But when you dive down into that basin level, that tree level, you start to really pick apart a little bit closer of the issues that are driving the different basins. And so then if you try to apply regulations to those different areas, it can become very tricky. And so what is right for New Mexico on one side of the Rio Grande might not work for Texas on the other side of the Rio Grande. So a lot of the regulations that we've seen, like I said, for New Mexico have been statewide kind of um, overhaul, trying to see how they can over, over um, I guess, oversee or, I don't know, maybe manage is the right word, their entire state's water supply. Um, Texas is not that way. They've had various little regulations come out, you know, wanting to encourage recycling or reuse, but so much of the water there is privately owned by landowners that that can become you know, a, a touchy subject. And then Oklahoma has also had recent, you know, regulations come forward with their disposal with the UIC and things like that, that it just becomes very apparent that when we're talking about water and we're talking about how we can regulate use and management, it's just not a simple answer. And it's going to change depending on kind of, as you said, county to county, where we're at, boots on the ground. Are we standing in the Delaware? This is what the Delaware needs. Are we standing in the scoop and the stack? Well, this is what the scoop and the stack needs. And so it was basically just an overview for them of, of, you know, don't punish the states. Let's, you know, figure out how we can help these states because every state's trying to do what's best for that state. I think you can also, one of the big issues that we talked about was drawing correlations. You know, Oklahoma has been struggling with disposal, but even more than that, we we really struggle with transporting these volumes of water. I think that's something that we're kind of seeing in some of the, you know, eastern states that produce. They have struggled with how they move the water, getting in pipeline infrastructure. So you can kind of draw correlations there. You can look at New Mexico and say, well, they're kind of pushing towards more of a conservation level. Colorado, we can say, has done the same thing. You know, Texas and, and New Mexico both fight drought, and they both have concerns about irrigation, you know, drawing up the groundwater supply. That's the same issues that we see in the Midwest states. And so I think at the end of the day, when we were talking at the IOGCC, it was we all have issues. Every state here that's represented has an issue. Now let's sit down and figure out what's working, where it's working, how it's working, and how can we make that fit for us, our individual states. So it was a, a very interesting conversation, um, very interesting to hear, you know, that Oklahoma's not alone. Texas isn't alone. We're all kind of in this in this struggle together. So let's come to the table and figure out how we can help each other. Kimberly Wirtz, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Kimberly Wirtz with Ball Morris Lowe. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. All we buy 
your side Whenever you fall in the dead of night Whenever you call and please don't fight These hands that are holding you And my hands are holding here in my side Whenever you fall in the dead of night Whenever you call and please don't fight These hands that are holding you And my hands are holding you Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool, joining the conversation right here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, talk with Kimberly Wirtz. We continue the conversation with Kimberly Wirtz with Balmore Slow. How about when we talk about recycled water, reusing water, or even waste water? A lot of people probably forget that some towns aren't they they're, they're, they're selling their wastewater to oil companies or using it or something like that didn't i read that somewhere yeah. yes yes that's common um depending on the water the wastewater depending on what's been done to it it can sometimes it, it gets perfect to go on to another well site and be used again so when we talk about recycling and reuse i try to delineate those two recycling is it's a more intensive process. We're trying to get it back to a cleaner stage than than where we began. With reuse, we're really talking about water that we used it for this well, and we're going to reuse it for the next well, and we're going to reuse it for the next well. So we don't really ever intend for reuse water to go back to, say, agricultural purposes or livestock purposes or even human consumption. Recycled water, we can sometimes, we can get it just right, and we can get it back to that that stage of, of human consumption, livestock consumption again. So those are two different areas. And so I tend to put more wastewater in with reuse because it's it's gotten to the point where it's not going to be fit to go back into the world, but it can be treated and used over and over again for the well sites if you have the right systems in place. What type of infrastructure needs do you know, are, are, there, are they set up for those types of things when it comes to recycling or reusing the water? It just depends on the area. Um, you know, the Eagleford area, the Eagleford Basin is probably set up the best because they have such a good permanent infrastructure already kind of in place. Parts of the Permian and the Delaware Basins don't have that. I mean, they're already struggling with pipelines to move the oil in and out. Yeah. How in the world are they going to also find pipelines to move the water in and out? Um, Oklahoma is a little bit a little bit better off than Texas. The funny thing, though, is, is 
you don't necessarily need full-blown permanent infrastructure to be able to recycle and reuse. They have, just like we have uh, mobile frack trucks that can just go from site to site, they now have water recycling trucks that you can lease out, rent out, whatnot, that will travel well site to well site and can do the recycling job right there on the spot. In Oklahoma, we have had a permanent recycler um, open, um, New Field Exploration forked over the capital and invested in a very large um, recycling permanent system. But even at that, that system is not going to be capable of, you can't run a permanent pipeline to every single wellhead once again. So you, you either recycle it on site and then truck it to the well, or you recycle it on site and then use temporary type, uh, temporary pipeline to get it to the wellhead. So there's various options depending on where you're at, you know, and then you can jump down into the Permian Basin where a landowner, the Faskin Oil and Ranch, they also forked over the capital. They built themselves their own permanent on-site water recycling system. And so on their land, if you drill a well, you use their water and you recycle their water. And it's an all-in-one shop. It's pretty great. <laughs> so it just kind of depends on where you're at, what your options are, and really what you want to invest in. That's why I love this industry. Smart, clever capitalists, they always seem to figure out a way to keep the marketplace and the economy moving. And um, Yeah, it's so, very yeah. fascinating. That, that's why we like to keep uh, some of the regulations and uh, some of the things like that abreasted because it does cost money. I'm sure that you've even got slides and formulas that show exactly how much regulation costs on each barrel and each frack site and that sort of thing. I'm, I mean, it's I've seen them in slides and everything else. So anyway, well, yeah. uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let's better wrap up here. I'm just checking out the time, and we want to make sure that we can get your information out to people. And if anybody has any, what states are you licensed in? I am licensed in Oklahoma. Our firm represents those in Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Texas. Um, we do a little bit of water consulting across all three, and we also have a firm in um, Colorado. If anybody needs assistance there, we have licensed attorneys in that state as well. Okay, so Colorado, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas would be the uh, states that you can assist in. Okay, great. And and just kind of who who is your customer that you're that you guys would be looking for? I, uh, obviously, we've talked a lot about water and oil and gas, but do you guys you know I, I mean are you guys a full on or just kind of talk to me a little bit about who some of your customers are that you guys are looking for? We have um, represented just about every side of it as you can right now. It's very hard to pick a side in water because so many of the clients, their their main focus is the water. It's not that we're having a fight among people. We're having more of a how can we work together to protect this resource. So we have worked, you know, with operators who are trying to dispose or um, need disposal help. We've worked with clients that are, you know, are landowners and need to know what their rights are with their water and how they can, you know, use it or not use it. So it's very um, open-ended for the most part, you know, and, and I just think it's a fascinating area right now because it's very new, um, kind of on the, you know, beginning level of really seeing practicing water attorneys. And that was Kimberly Wirtz with Ball More Slow. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. 
The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, YouTubes. All the social media links are available at thecrudelife.com and click on the social media tab. I'd like to thank Kimberly Wirtz of Balmore Slow for joining today's program, as well as Tiffany Steiner and Jackie Jenkins, the co-founders of the Bakken Barbecue. That's going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow at this time and this radio station. And for those of you streaming us on the Internet or maybe you're downloading our podcast via iTunes or one of the other podcast platforms that we're on, we appreciate it very much. And thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing us as part of your content. There's a million people out there doing a million different forms of content and a million different ways to get it. So we appreciate it. The radio stations, thank you. Everybody involved with this program, thanks you very much for choosing us. Exclusive interviews, one-of-a-kind conversation. So we feel like we're at least bringing a little bit of something to the table. We just can't get any better than my neighbor's dog's cat's nephew who does his own podcast, you know, the neighbor's dog's cat's nephew. Man, those guys are just so good. But at least we got you folks, and we appreciate it very much. From the staff here at the Multimedia Cafe, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life and enjoy the spice. to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery.
Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 